God, I'm shitting blood over here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck, that's a good way to open it. Here's the cold open, boys and girls. Okay, everybody, oh. we might edit this out. And I'm doing that same thing that I did that ruined the audio in the last episode. I'm pacing because I'm so fucking mad. So we just started recording, and I, I had to poke it. I had to open, but my computer forced closed, but I've been... Every time I've been working on the save file that we lost, all of you who follow me on Twitter know why the S show's been so late. I was 95% done with it, and Audacity corrupted the save file, so I had to start, I had the raw data, and I had to start from scratch, and since this one needed extensive editing just because of a lot of sound, uh, background sounds going on. So I had put five five fucking hours in this episode, and you would have never known it listening to it, but I got, like, like the last, like, ten minutes to edit, and then just some post-production, and it would have been up, and it corrupted, and so I started over again, and, but we, I was out of town for a week at a conference, and then this has been the week of hell where nothing has gone right, so my laptop closed, but I've been saving it under a different file name. Every time the last file fucked up where it was missing some pieces. So I lost another maybe hour and an hour and a half on this fucking episode 14. So I am going to forego any sort of sleep after today, tonight to get this fucking episode done this weekend and up. But it's so discouraging that this is now over six hours that I put in this episode and I have almost nothing to show for it. So when you finally get Episode 14, appreciate that this broke me. And if there is no further fucking episodes of this show, it's because of fucking audacity in episode 14. And the only thing that is go- keeping me going right now is that I think oh about God. universal entropy and how we're all, everything is slowly dying, and that makes me feel better. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to the the comic book fucking dungeon. Holy shit, that is a hell of an opening right there. Welcome to the comic book dungeon, where I have a big cock in my ass called Audacity. You know, we'll probably we'll probably just move this to the back of the episode. Oh, I, yeah, I think this is definitely at least outtake worthy. Oh my god. Oh, man. Uh, are, are you glad you vented? I feel better, yes. Okay. Because in the grand scheme of things, with the new, other news that I have told you, with broken hands and my wife no longer employed, this hour and a half of my life, on top of the or hour and whatever, on top of the five hours, doesn't seem as bad. Uh, uh, you know, at the, at the risk of sounding like an unfeeling asshat... That's karma for fucking throwing up those cards about the podcast. Oh, I forgot that one is live. 
Okay. No, I have Star Trek coasters in the basement that make transporter sounds. I know. I know. Okay, so what uh, what uh, Cruz is referring to is when we were at the conference. This was out in California, so Mark and his, uh, so that's me and my wife, Mrs. Mark, got to hang out with Cruz and Mrs. Cruz, and while we were oh, yeah. playing cards against humanity, yep. um, I had thrown out a black card that was. The black it, card was it, dear, it was a dear, dear Abby, Abby card. Yeah, dear Abby, I need advice on blank. And the card that my wife had thrown down was starting a shitty podcast. <laughs> the shade. I, I've yet to post it on Instagram yet. Uh, I was gonna wait till it, it got a little closer to uh, this episode getting dropped, where we finally get to talk about it. Which. Super frustrating is I have several creators that I want to reach out to. Like in the last episode, I reviewed a book and I really want to reach out to that guy, but I want to wait until the episode airs before asking if he wants to come on. He, when I met him in person, he was amenable. But now that we're like nine episodes in the hole, I don't know. <laughs> I just, my whole life right now just feels like all these things that need to get done that haven't gotten done. And the fact that my wife now no longer can use two arms, even though she's home all the time, there's just all this stuff that I feel like needs to get done. And uh, I'm thinking about running away. <laughs> oh, fuck. Who's going to feed all the animals? That's a good question. I guess. Yeah. So maybe we... Okay, I guess we should do a real opening instead of me talking about things in my, my asshole. Okay, well, yeah, this is cold open number two. (laughs) We'll play whichever one sounds better. Or maybe I'm just done editing, and they'll get everything. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. This is Mark coming to you from deep underground, like my hopes and dreams of the Comic Book Dungeon. This is, uh, is Cruz coming to you from the uh, Wolf Spider Arena, where there is nothing shoved in t- inside of my ass. You realize that if we don't air that other one until <laughs> after the episode, that is just a really weird way for you to introduce yourself. <laughs> Have you... The Marvel in the 1980s model was every comic book you had to treat like it was a reader's first comic. So, like, every X-Men comic would have to start out with Wolverine talking about, like, don't worry, I can cut that pizza with, like, my unbreakable claws to let people know that that was his power. So if this was somebody's first podcast, they're going to wonder why you're talking about things in your butt. It maybe, they would, maybe they just assumed that I freaking record with the butt plug-in. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I do record with the butt plug-in and you don't know it. If that's our, if that's a mic, that would explain some of our audio issues from here. And there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a couple of freaking metallic things jingle jangling up in there too. That's probably what you hear. I blame it on the dog, but really, it's not. The only, I guess, the upshot is I've edited the same audio so so many times now. I've gotten really good at it. <laughs> it sounded really good. I had. Uh, Oh, just keep the dog tags in there and just move on. Like, oh. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, we're getting it's a matter. The, we're, it's a matter of principle now. I can't let I, audacity beat me. I understand that, but oh man. Let me make sure that Pam's recording, so I don't have to. Yeah, yeah, it says it is. Pam's recording. Okay, so 
All right. So, yeah. So, what have you been up to uh, since the last time we saw each other, which was the uh, the, the, the very fun uh, sleepover in San Diego? Yeah, the sleepover in San Diego. Call oh. it that. <laughs> uh, I read a couple comics that I had picked up at the Motor City Comic Con for the show. So, I think I'll talk about those here in a minute. I've been doing some web design, which eventually will make its way onto our the skills I'm picking up there will make its way onto the a website for us. What else have I done for the show? I'm not going to, I'm hoping not to jinx this. Like we both listened to uh, the cognitive distance podcast and I know they've had some uh, issues with uh, guests lately. And uh, I, I don't want to jinx it because we've been in negotiations now for, for, for quite a while, but I'm not going to disclose the name of the guest in case it doesn't work out, but we usually record every other week. We're most likely recording another episode because we don't have enough in the queue right now. But uh, we're going to have some guest hosts for the episode, uh, uh, our next episode. Which, what, this is episode 17? Uh, I believe so. I, I'm so focused I, on episode 14, it's hard for me now to keep it all straight. I'm pretty sure it's episode 17, and I don't want to touch anything on my computer for fear of the curse of the podcast striking us down. So I'm not even going to fuck with anything and look at, look at it because I just want to be, I want to be absolutely certain. Oh wait, I have a method. I have a method. No, I don't. Damn it. The Google drive is, I'm probably willing to bet that I haven't sent the last one up to the Google drive. So I, I don't, it's possible that you haven't, but like I said, I'm uh but it doesn't matter the last one because that one corrupted as well when it corrupted the original 14 save file. So my audacity file that again it's so frustrating because the the data is there it's the the file that tells it how to organize it it's all foobard uh-huh oh i'm getting okay 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 you I'm know what a, a message here i don't care about up, updating my computer fuck updating the computer yeah episode 15 is the last one that was up uploaded i think we did episode 16 I'm not sure because we kind of, you know, yeah, I think we did record episode 16 because it was right before you came out to California. Yeah, episode 16 is the one with the corrupted data. So okay. that one is definitely a Pam one. Episode 15, I'm, I'm just doing Pam from now on. And in the next couple months, it looks like I'll be getting a mixer. So a lot of the, the splicing is just going to get done. Pam will do it and then the mixer will do it. And I don't think we're going to have... That was just the one time only with all the... Because you weren't the only one who had background noise. For whatever reason, my mic was making this super annoying sound. And it was actually good that I went back and the episode got destroyed. Because I found an easy way, an audacity, to make a, nose, a noise profile that it took several times of grabbing it to get rid of it. Because every time I tried to edit... Any sound like me hitting my mic out of that episode, it sounded weird because you could, you would hear like in the background, and if I cut like a like a half second out, you would hear the break. So I didn't cut out nearly as much garbage out of my end, but I figured out the second time through how to address that. But okay. now, but unfortunately, it's in the beginning of the episode that had the most bullshit I had to cut out, and there's like a whole. 10 minutes where you and your wife are talking about the dog and I'm just I kept in the relevant dog points but a lot of the stuff addressing the noise since I took the noise out I like took that out so that's <laughs> there's it's, it's almost it's it, it's like a great tragedy now 
how many times that we've lost. <laughs> but I guess we're still doing pretty good because even though we lost my half of the data for episode 16, we still have the Pam version, which I've listened to part of it, and it sounded sounded okay. It actually sounded pretty good. You couldn't hear the echo as much. And then we still have, like, because I still had your half and my half of the raw data when I lost episode 14, so I was able to reconstruct it and re-put it back together. So we're the Thank God I'm Atheist podcast, like a couple months ago, just didn't have an episode because they lost it. And I know several podcasts who've had to redo episodes are just like, nope, we can't do this because it's gone. So we have yet to have that happen because we've had a, a backup system. So even though this one is frustrating that I have to keep editing it. And I don't know why, like, why this one is like the, the bad luck one or now my computer's just, I don't know, not agreeing with Audacity. But from now on, like I said, it's no, I'm cha- I changed the system once where even though I lost part of it, I still have some of it edited because I every time I I finish like an hour session I save under a different name. So even if something happens like this one, you know, it's this everything I had done before that is still saved. And when we go to the just the full Pam model, I save that one as an MP3 instead of trying to convert it every time. And so that one it can't corrupt it like it's been doing. So right really inside baseball here super inside baseball this is like the how to's and don'ts of uh, of uh, making a podcast here so i i took a very simple question and i crapped all over it what have you been up to what have i been up to since uh since the madness of the the san diego sleepover you know it oh geez okay yeah it, it's it's uh, I mean, by now everyone knows I've got four fucking daughters okay yes I know I, I've got a lot of weddings to pay for and all that shit I'm just gonna hopefully they're all lesbian who knows anyways so they're all enrolled in dance so after the freaking great uh the great San Diego sleepover which that's what I'm fucking calling it capitalize that shit it is the San Diego sleepover because there was all sorts of wacky shit that happened on that trip but after that and I'm sure we'll go into that or whatever it, it was hell week because all my daughters are in dance and the immediate week after the San Diego sleepover was the the big lead up to their final rehearsals, dress rehearsals and their final performance. And you know, I I somehow don't I think that the Venn diagram of like people that listen to us and people that watch Dance Moms is really really small as far as the overlap is concerned. But if you are someone that's watched Dance Moms, and I've only watched a couple episodes because my wife makes me, this dance teacher for my daughters is like Miss Abby from Dance Moms. She's fucking got an overinflated sense of self-worth. She is like a diva. And I will say one thing that impressed the fuck out of me. At like damn near 60 years old, that lady can still drop down in a split fucking half a second, man. But yeah, this is apparently yeah, this is year thirty for her school out in my community. So she made this like an all about her dance recital. So I mean this is like all different genres of fucking dance and music, everything from like fucking Disney shit to fucking Michael Jackson. It it was and this is what got me because like I, I noticed that the rehearsal took really long and my wife was extremely furious with her. And I, I, Mark, you, you've seen my wife lose her temper, mostly at me. Yes. But she's way more civil with most other people. And 
especially like people in in our community because we live in a small town and everybody knows every fucking thing about each other unfortunately so she tries to to keep a real civil pleasant attitude and she finally broke and like fucking snapped at the dance instructor because the dance instructor was doing some crazy last minute changes to choreography and all this bullshit and she came back from their last rehearsal at like 9 30 at night with my four kids in tow and she was like this is gonna be a fucking train wreck so i'm thinking ah whatever i go in and uh this dance show is it's in a high school gym now for most part people would be like it's a fucking high school gym this lady normally books like at least a performing arts center with decent seating or I, it's been a while since you've been in Barstow, so you haven't seen. They built a beautiful near th- new theater at the uh, Barstow Community Campus, uh, Barstow Community College Campus. Beautiful new freaking theater. I mean, great, awesome seating, everything. She actually booked that for three shows last year, and it was awesome because, I mean, full-on theater lighting, and it was great. This, this year for her 30-year extravaganza, and I'm guessing because of the sheer length of the show – she couldn't afford to book that uh, a better theater because this was in a fucking high school gym. And with the fucking regular bleacher bench seats, they're not meant for a human ass to sit in for any fucking period of time. Uh, she had a and I, 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 I timed it from curtains up till well, not curtains up because there were no fucking curtains. But from when the performance started till the very end was three hours and 26 minutes long think about that shit there's a 15 minute intermission in between three hours and 26 fucking minutes long you know how fucking numb my ass was at the end of that uh the only thing that made it worthwhile and i know this makes me a really horrible person because this was one of my daughter's friends was uh one of the girls I really shouldn't laugh at this, but I'm laughing now. Uh, one of the girls, they, they, there was, there was, this was like her fucking supreme performance. Like, I don't know. She like pulled out all the stops, what she was trying to get her kids to do. And there was a lot of tumbling, a lot of tricks, a lot of flips, a lot of crazy shit. And one of the girls was like thrown into a backflip and she fucking just totally botched the landing and landed right on her fucking face. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right on her face. And, dude, I give her credit. I give this girl credit, and I told my wife to fucking text the mom because they're friends. I was like, hey, so like, tell her mom fucking, hey, thumbs up. I mean, she really – she bounced right back up off that floor, literally bounced off the floor, stood up, and for like half a second was going to keep going with the show. Until she realized blood was streaming down her face and she had bit through her lower lip. No. Yeah. So, yeah, that ended that part of the show. I think you just pounded something, and the sound that made is the sound that I picture a child not landing a backflip would make. That is pretty much the sound she made. Because can you imagine, okay, you're doing a backflip, but she only made it three quarters of the way. And just fucking, like, face thump right into the fucking, it was a basketball gymnasium. So right into the hardwood floor. Boom. Hey, and not to be, not to be a tool, but I'm imagining that feels a lot like having to edit the same podcast three times. (laughs) I'm sure it did. 
So, okay, so yeah, so yeah, that, that was that. Other than that, uh, well, like we, we discussed on the phone earlier, uh, I am I am wife-free for the weekend. Uh, my old lady, the old ball and chain, has uh, decided to go with all her, uh, her mommy group soccer mom friends. And I want to be careful what I say because, hey, they might listen. Who knows? You never know. Uh, I, I find that very hard to believe. I fucking don't believe it either. But hey, you know, they're all going out down. They're all going wine tasting, which basically when you tell me wine tasting, I think white girl wasted. And that's what they're going to be. You know, so who knows? She might send me back pictures of fucking all the fucking tits as they're all going crazy and going like, I'm not going to say girls gone wild, but it'd be like moms gone wild. Southern California edition. That'd be fucking hilarious. According to my my demographics research on our podcast. The only non-male who is listening to this show is my mother. <laughs> oh, shit. Hi, Mike's mom. Mark's mom. Um, poop. We've made she, that quotient. Well, she loves that we've gotten away from some of the, uh, the poop talk, and she loves that we have brought up her criticism of the poop talk on the air. But <laughs> she, she thinks the greatest thing that I've ever done in my life was our uh, now classic interview from special episode one with the three wise men. Uh-huh. She thinks that was the greatest thing ever. She just wow. she, tell, she keeps telling my dad who uh, who doesn't have an interest in this like my wife, like most people I know, but she she like tells everybody about this and how this is the culmination of my life was uh, uh was was that. Which is it's nice to get some support, but that's super weird. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, you know what? Hey, at least we have a fan that gives us some feedback. Okay. Can, can <clears throat> I can I say maybe I'm off base and we have a strong female audience because hey, Podient doesn't necessarily give me that information. I piece this together from sugar packets mostly. But if we do have a <laughs> lot of uh, uh, um, women listeners. I would actually love to hear from you. You can go absolutely, to, yeah, go to our website, comicbookdungeonpodcast.com, and you can uh, go through the links there and find how to contact us. Or the lazier way, which is the way that I would take, is comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear from uh, you, female listeners, because you know what, you are the the fastest growing demographic in comics right now. That would be awesome if we had a, a lot of uh, a lot of you in the. Uh, the audience absolutely so i just uh, want to throw one thing else out at our female listeners if you do write us one thing i want to know was what was your gateway book into comics i want to know if you're an old hand and you've been uh, reading comic books for 30 years or if you're like newer within the last couple of years i want to know your gateway drug i can tell you my daughters it was my little pony there's a lot of adult women readers who the My Little Pony books got them in. I know there's a lot of male readers who also read My Little Pony. Yeah, I they're called bronies. One. I was about to say, I don't. I am not on the brony train. You're not on the brony train? Oh. Uh, I've, re- I've read some of theirs. Um, you get a pass, though, because you're a father. I know. You know, do you realize how much shit you can get away with because you're a father of daughters? As your attorney, I advise you not to finish that thought. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, you see, 
I meant like, you know, like I can go pick up my little pony comic books and then like if someone gives me a fucking, you know, a stink eye about it, I'm like, I've got daughters that like comic books. Shut the fuck up. And they're like, oh, OK, you, you can you can do shit like that. OK, you know what I did once? OK, did we're, we're, we're super on the tangent right now. That's um, OK. OK, so have you heard of these fucking things called LOL dolls? No. Okay. Wait, did your, is that something? One of those things that your wife was telling us about at the zoo? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like the dog's favorite thing to eat. Okay, these are like ten dollars stupid little fucking dolls, and my kids are asleep, so they can't hear how much I fucking hate these stupid things. All right, they're like maybe like three inch tall. They have all these chintzy little accessories. They're they're you know, and the gimmick is it, it comes in this like they're. They're mystery boxes. You know, it comes in this like wrapped ball. And as you unwrap the several fucking layers of probably non-biodegradable fucking packaging all over these shitty plastic toys, you know, you uncover like little hints about which one it is, little accessories, all sorts of bullshit that you got to pay $10 a pop for. Right. Well, my my middle child is really really into these fucking asinine gotta collect them all but they're in random boxes toys and she jumped on this fucking lol doll train and this was last year right right before christmas there was a new series of these stupid dolls that came out and my wife's like okay look i need you to go buy a complete box and i'm like a complete box. She's like, yes, a complete box. Okay, you know how much a complete fucking box is? I'm going to guess over $100. Well over $100, okay? I, I mean, like, well over. And, and the only reason we were splurging because it was it was going to be a gift for my middle kid and my youngest because the youngest likes that shit too. I'm looking at the LOL dolls now. They, uh, they're they disgusting. Look, yeah, they don't look real impressive to me. No, they're not. So it was, it, you know, it was kind of like... Okay, full fucking box is like 18 or something like that. Or Yeah, it was 18 of these fucking dolls. So I'm like, okay, fine. New series gets released. You know, she has me scoping out targets all over the place because some of them are accidentally putting them on the shelves early. And like some of these things are fucking already skyrocketing on the eBay price markup. So I go to one of my local targets. I find one. It's a partially open box i take a couple other fucking ones out of another box and shove it in there and i go up front to go buy it right did you just shoplift some lol dolls in your story no 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 it was a it was a partial box and you know the reason why she wanted me to get a full box was because then you you guaranteed you didn't get any doubles yeah i was just like fuck it i'm just gonna you know i i I told her i was like hey you know what we get doubles and just you know make sure one kid gets a double and the other one gets the other double whatever who cares so i take the i take the box to the cash register and i try to cash out and the lady's like no there's a limit i'm like the fuck you say there's a limit it's like yeah there's only fucking two per customer (laughs) and i look at this lady i'm like really there's only two per customer she's like yeah, I'm sorry. It's store policy. I'm like, okay, this is ass nine. Okay, why is this store policy? This is, well, people buy them all up and then they sell them on eBay and they mark them up. I'm like, okay, I understand that. I understand. That. I'm not buying it up for shit, for shit like that. She's like, well, I still can't authorize the sale. I'm like, give me your manager. 
So I get the manager, and I look at the manager, and I'm like, look. And I get my fucking Facebook profile up, right? I'm like, look, you see these fucking kids? How many fucking kids do you see here? And she's like, I see four. I'm like, that's right. So you're going to tell me that I'm going to buy two fucking LOL dolls and fucking show up at my house that has four daughters in it, and only two of them are going to get a fucking toy. Oh, yeah, that'd be like Lord of the Flies. Yeah, she's like, she's like, well, that's their policy. I'm like, you realize they're going to kill each other over this. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you know, you could just buy two today and then come back tomorrow. I was like, are you going to fuck you? Are you, you going to lick this sweatiest part of my ass? Fucking fuel? It's like, you realize that you're like 40 miles away from where I live? What? I mean, really? Really? You think I'm going to fucking go make the fucking commute to come back here and get this shit? What sort of drama school dropout assistant manager thought that that was uh, a good idea to say to a, a fucking irate parent? Yeah, exactly. So if, this goes if, back and if, forth. If you're only getting two dolls, if you're going to another store to get more yeah. for your kids, it's mm-hmm. sure as shit not going to be at the store that uh, was being all fucking no. assholey about it. Okay, so no. So no, 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 no. So I'm like, fine. Fuck it. You know what? So I buy two of the dolls. I was like, I'll put the rest of this box back. I put the box back. I buy the two dolls. I throw the dolls in my van. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I've got a plan. So, and it was, because as this was happening, like, people weren't fully aware of the store policy. So I'm like, I've got this. I got a plan. So I go back. I get the box. I take the box to the electronics cash register. Because <laughs> they're not going to know, are they? So I go to the electronics cash register. And I try to cash out. <laughs> and the same fucking manager walks by and sees me there. <laughs> Dude, they pegged you on camera. You're they, a person okay. of interest. Okay, okay. I banged something. I'm sorry. I'm just getting excited, right? So, I mean, like, this is after work, okay? I work construction. I'm wearing day glow fucking neon green with reflective stripes. You can't fucking miss me. I was hoping when you said you were going to go back in the store, you had, like, a trench coat and somebody, like, stand on your shoulders. Okay, so what I did was I went back to my van. I ditched the fucking Dayglow reflective freaking jacket. I I put on a long-sleeve button-down shirt, and I changed my hat, all right? So I went from – I think I went from wearing a hat to not wearing a hat. So I I altered my appearance drastically, and then I went full-on fucking, like – I'm 007, I'm a fucking spy, I'm going to fucking infiltrate this motherfucking target. And I had another plan. I had another plan. And that plan, can you guess what that plan was? Okay, so you're in disguise, or you're not in disguise, you've changed your appearance. You've gone back in the store, and you said that you were like 007, so you were like trying to keep an eye out for other managers, and you said you had a plan. I had a plan. My pl- I thought your plan. Okay, I'm assuming your plan is to go to another area of the store to check out maybe the jewelry counter, boarding goods, uh, something like that. You know, this might be a cultural difference because I don't know if in uh, you know Michigan the the prevalence of cultural difference. We're mud brothers. We're the same. <laughs> I, I don't know if you have the the prevalence of self checkout in Michigan. Yes, yes, we do. That was my grand plan. Self-checkout. Who's to stop me? I am the one in control. I have been stopped multiple times at self-checkout, but that's just not like, because I buy gift cards and I'm impatient. And Uh I have several times they're like, you can't buy those there. And I'm like, well, I did. 
so fuck you, but uh, I assume that the old lady monitoring the self-checkout in your story knew about the policy. Okay, so there's two still... <laughs> There's two self-checkout stations in this Target. And so here I am with this shopping cart, with this fucking giant box of fucking little girl toys. Okay? Grown-ass, grizzly-ass, unshaven, dirty-as-fuck construction worker guy with a box of LOL dolls. I mean, it just – and I'm skulking. I am literally skulking in the fucking store. Yeah, this does not look good, but – I am scoping out the two fucking self checkouts, okay? And it's getting to the point where people are starting to look at me. Yeah, you you can't skulk. You whenever you do anything nefarious, and this is a good listener tip for our audience. I used to work uh, loss prevention at a department store when I was in graduate school. That's what I did with my veteran skills. But anyway, if you look like, because I would always be like plain clothes, and there were times where I'd go to like stores I didn't work at. Nobody would ever stop me from going to the back. Because I acted like I belong there. So for your nefarious purposes, always act like you belong. Don't just act casual. Don't act like you're doing anything wrong. So if you're 007-ish skulking through the <clears> store, <throat> you're going to raise suspicion. You had like people like plainclothes detectives or secure like people in a security booth monitoring you the whole time. Right. Well, I was making sure that this. Uh... Okay. So at one of these self checkout stations. The fucking manager, you know, capitalized <laughs> that shit, was the one monitoring it. And then the other fucking checkout station, the self-checkout station, wasn't the manager, but it was the clerk that was the one that was going to check me out the first time was monitoring that one. <clears throat> so this was kind of a shit situation. So here's what happened, okay? I couldn't help but notice the manager – kept making eyes at the uh, security guy and because uh, you were acted weird no 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 she this was like amorous intent she was like totally oh. wanting to fucking hit, hit him up and fucking chat him up so <laughs> you know they're 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 fucking you know they're making eyes at each other and you know I, I decide I'm gonna keep observing these two and finally like the security guys like making eyes back and you know, they start kind of getting into that little chat thing where, you know, you know, where like she like puts her hand on his hand and, you know, finds an excuse to touch him. So I see their the body language is they're really into this. So I swoop in with my cart of ill gotten gains goods and I start scanning them in as fast as I can and throwing them into the fucking basket <laughs> so they can't see what I'm doing because they're engrossed in conversation. And so long as I fucking do this correctly, there's no reason for her to come check out what the fuck I'm doing. Right. So. <laughs> so while, while they're hitting on each other, I'm buying a fucking like another half dozen, another dozen or so, whatever, however many fucking come in a box. Of these stupid LOL dolls right under their fucking noses while they're where they're busy fucking making moony eyes at each other and shit. And then as I fucking <laughs> as, as I fucking get done, I, I pay up and I'm going out the door. I turn around and look here and I'm like, Aha, I bought them all. And then I run off to my fucking vehicle. Yeah, I have no re- idea why we went off on this fucking long tangent, but it's a fun story. Um, I just I can't believe that you 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 before you left you taunted her with your crime. Of course, 
I had to. It's not like they could take it back. But um, comic book wise, uh, I was digging through uh, a, a buddy of mine who, who's a, a comic book guy. He had borrowed a bunch of stuff off of me uh, for my collection. I let him read it, and uh, you know, it was sitting on uh, my my entryway bookshelf. I hadn't put him back in my my long boxes yet, and I, I saw an oldie but goodie that I reread, and it was the uh, the Superman speeding bullets Elseworlds. From, I want to say, late, mid to late 90s. Let me, let me see. Actually, I still have it on the desk here. I'm not sure if I read that one. What's the uh, synopsis of that one? The synopsis of this one is, okay, this is from 1993. Jesus Christ, this is 20 years old. What the fuck? No, this is more than 20 years old. It's 25 years old. Fuck, I'm old. Um. <clears throat> So the synopsis is basically, what if Cal L's uh, spacecraft didn't land in uh, Kansas and was maybe blown off course a little bit and landed, I don't know, in Wayne Manor? Okay. I've heard of this one. Yes. So, yeah, it, it's basically uh, Cal L becomes Bruce Wayne. And suffers the same uh, trauma that Bruce Wayne suffered with watching his parents get gunned down. Except uh, the cool part was, like, the shooter was going to kill Bruce Wayne, but he couldn't because Bruce Wayne's fucking Kryptonian. And he, uh, he fucking, like, just unleashed a heat vision on this guy's ass and melted his fucking face off. But... It created some kind of like a post-traumatic stress disorder where he blocked out the memory of, of any of that shit, and he didn't realize he had these powers till later in life. Did the guy whose face he melted off grow up to become Ted Cruz? <laughs> no, unfortunately, he was dead. Uh, and oh. Ted, Ted, Ted Cruz, even though he he looks like that fucking guy from Men in Black that's you know wearing a human suit. Uh, even though Ted Cruz looks like that, he is very much alive, apparently. He looks to me, and you're going to say I mean an asshole, but he honestly, to me, looks a little bit like Jabba the Hutt. Day Wonga, day do, Marco Rubio. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say you're being an asshole at all. Uh, I've called Ted Cruz far worse things than Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, he, he, he figures it out, and he, you know... He, He's like Superman, Batman, kind of. And like Lex Luthor in this version of Elseworlds becomes the Joker. Because he has some sort of chemical accident in one of his factories. And, you know, he gets Jokerified. And, and he apparently monopolizes everything in Metropolis, which, you know, which leads to him buying the Daily Planet, which turn, gets turned into a tabloid rag, which is why... Lois Lane, of course, comes over and joins the Gotham Gazette or whatever the fuck it's called. And so you still have the Lois and Clark fucking relationship triangle and you still have the freaking, you know, Clark and Lex freaking Superman Lex Luthor power struggle, except it's also got the Batman freaking Joker tinge to it. And he, he goes full fucking dark mode with his powers. This is like if Superman was just fucking... He didn't have the Boy Scout mentality to fall back on. This is the kind of hero he would have been. And 
it's a cool look into what someone like that would be because I mean he was basically the, the way they portrayed it was it was a no holds barred like he didn't care if you were a criminal it, it didn't matter to him if he fell to your death off of a building or if he punched you so hard he fucking destroyed your rib cage or or if he melted your fucking face off this was just a byproduct of, of him raging against the criminals that killed his parents. Um, but eventually Lois fucking reaches his humanity, figures out it's Bruce Wayne, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, he's Superman instead of Batman. You know, costume change for something a little more, you know, inspirational instead of fear inspiring. I've, I've loved most of the Elseworld books that I've read. Uh, my One of my favorites being the Superman Red Sun. But yeah, this one sounds really good. Superman Red Sun? Yeah, oh, it's the, the it's the same sort of basic premise where the he lands in a different place, but instead of landing in Kansas, he lands uh in uh, like at a work commune in the Soviet Union. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I have you know, I don't have that one. Oh, yeah, I, I have it digitally. I could send you it. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually I have a big uh pile of digital uh Elseworld ones. Yeah, I, I have a print version of the uh, Batman Green Lantern one, which is one of my favorite ones. It's funny talking about the some of the Elseworld ones because that was there's Marvel has the equivalent the what if what if issues, and I there's been times where I've contemplated maybe us eventually covering some of those because I I'm a big fan of the what if sort of stories the the Elseworld stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love. Um... I love when they take a, a legacy character whose history and everything is is, is basically part of uh, the, the comic book pop culture database and and history, and they they just give it a little tweak that makes it run parallel with something like another character's uh, history. One that I think we've talked about, and I'm hoping we'll be uh, we'll get to eventually, is the what if issue where the Punisher gets the Venom symbiote. Oh, that, that would is be my fucking awesome. Have you seen the Punisher comics now, where he has the War Machine armor? No. It is. I I haven't finished the run yet. I, uh, but uh, I. Do you remember being a kid and talking about stuff like that? Yes. The author clearly did the same thing because <laughs> it is exactly what you think it would be and always hoped it would be. I was very hesitant going in because I'm like, there's no way it's going to be as cool as I thought it was going to be. And it's funny because the armor has this like very dry AI. And it's like, did you know that you're killing this man? I'll keep that under advisement as he's like crushing people's heads <laughs> or like flying as fast as he can, holding a guy until their skin starts to like peel off. <laughs> If stuff is starting to hit, I think like, the first issue I think just hit Marvel Unlimited, but uh, that's what that's a series that I've been buying digitally, and I just I got a, a big uh, dump of it a few days ago that I haven't had time to read, but they're good. I think you would enjoy them. That sounds good. I, I might have to take a look at that. <clears throat> a, another series that I I've read, uh, I, it's been on my stack forever that I. Uh, I've got them on my phone, and I had some time today while I was waiting outside the house, and I broke a couple of them out. Was the last starting last year, and I just wrapped it up a few months ago. Was a new Star Trek series by IDW. It's all about the Mirror Universe. 
Okay. And it's an interesting twist because as we know that the the Terran Empire didn't do so well after the Mirror Mirror episode of the original episode, it turns out that there are still some remnants that are like in a stronghold around Earth in like the Soul Solar System. Most people don't realize they're still there and they're slowly like losing to attrition. But Picard, the mirror Picard, is the captain of the Stargazer. And the secret project to uh, construct the newest, most advanced war machine, the Enterprise-D, he just found out about. And it's about him murdering and lying and cheating to get to the captaincy of the uh, D with his loyal uh, evil henchmen like Troy, Barkley, Data with all this Borg shit on him. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's pretty cool to see familiar characters you love like stab each other to death. And it's it's awesome. I think you would enjoy it. <laughs> oh man! Well, speaking yeah, it, of Star Trek, oh, it's called. Hold on, it's one second. It's called Mirror Broken. Mirror yes, Broken. I I cannot wait because I've been wait I've been waiting all week to get onto the Star Trek thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, vo- it's time for our Voyager minute. Because <laughs> I think that we've come out on two very different pages with Star Trek Voyager. Uh, you know, okay. I went in having only really ever watched like the first three seasons, really, and, and then I I got deployed. You know, I didn't get deployed. I enlisted in the army and fucking all that shit. So I never really watched the last four seasons while it was on the air. Like I barely remembered Seven of Nine, and that was maybe from an occasional episode I got to watch, uh, either during my basic training or, or, or whatever, or right after I got posted to my first unit. So that being said, you know, I really had no clue as to what I was getting into with the later episodes of, of it. And, and you had a, a, a kind of a, I'm not going to say cynical, but you, you, you really gave the vibe that you didn't care for anything after season four. Yeah, season four, in my mind, it starts out really, really good. And then it's, it jumps the shark, and I know that's a way overused term now, with the uh, the erosion, and it's specifically the episode where they turn Voyager into like a hunting preserve with the the holodeck. Right. I just I can't after that. I will say that one was a groaner. You know, I mean, I really appreciated like. I could appreciate what they were trying to do with like how the Herogen, like the the one captain of the Herogen was trying to band his people together into a larger communal hunting party and using simulated hunting so that they no longer were were nomadic. I yeah, I mean, I it's not that the premise necessarily was faulty. It's just it's not only do I fault the execution, but I remember wanting to like the Herogen as a teenager. And them kind of leaving me cold in the end. And I had a similar, a little similar but different, because I went in, I really went into Voyager trying not to have, a, as much as I could, not preconceived notions, and just take it as it was. And I just, from the first episode with the Herosians, they just seem like such a, just, there's just no substance to them. And they just, they bother every minute of screen time with them. It just it it just felt ridiculous. Well, I mean, were the Herosian introduced in uh, was it Message in a Bottle? Yes. Okay. So yeah, all they had was this fucking going for them was like a deep space network of fucking like 
satellites or some shit, communication relays all over their area of space. Whoop de doo. You know, I, I think uh I think they did a bad job of kind of fleshing out the the nomad hunter culture that they were a part of. Um when you say fleshing out uh, the impression I got as a kid and it definitely hit me on my rewatch was the entire concept behind them was I want Predators in Star Trek. Make them just different enough that we don't get sued. Go. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that. <clears throat> I, I could see that. I mean, you know, they're, they're borrowing a concept and, a, and an idea from another f- series. I could, I could totally see that. But there is a... Uh... Okay, so yeah, like I had texted you earlier this week about the episode I, I'd watched where The Rock beats the fucking ever living shit out of Seven of Nine. I have yet to, I have never seen that episode, and so I feel again that maybe something I'm being unfair that I I ejected off of my Voyager uh, rewatch maybe prematurely, but I hit several bad episodes in a row, and I just I okay. check the synopsis, and I'm like I remember these, they're bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the ones with the stupid fucking catchphrases, like, I think it's time oh. we outthink the think tank. Or yeah, And then it's the next episode with the, <laughs> we have to outspart a spark bomb. And it's just, <laughs> did you guys go to, the Simpsons writers all went to, like, fucking Harvard to write that shit. And this is, this is what Star Trek has become? No, thank you. I mean, Enterprise I, 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 is better than that. I I, I I will say there are some real fucking groaner episodes in there. I mean, some fucking real groaners, but there are some really genuinely entertaining ones. Um, and there are some, some thought provoking ones. Um, the, uh, Oh geez. For, for pure entertainment. I know I said, it, I said it when we were messing with each other. Um, the one with the doctor where he, he installs a daydreaming subroutine into his program. Isn't that where he keeps doing, like, the emergency, like, uh... Oh, my hologram? God, yes, when he does the emergency command hologram. And, like, it was, like, a fucking bad, like, anime where, like, he'd be in a crisis situation and then he'd look at the fucking camera all dramatically and be like, it's time to activ- activate the EC." H and there's a fanfare of music and like his tunic goes from blue to fucking red and then four pips fucking spring out on his collar <laughs> even when I because I was probably like 17 or something 16 or 17 when that episode came out I cannot tell you they just I can't believe I'm watching the sort of thoughts that came came uh, over me oh it's I thought that was comedy gold man the I think this is perhaps the worst episode of Voyager, and I know if you look at the top uh, ten worst episodes of Star Trek, it's always towards the top. The episode where what what what's the holodeck simulation they go to with the stupid like town, the Irish town, Fairhaven. It's called yeah, Fairhaven. It, yeah. Yeah. The episode where <clears throat> the the residents there figure out that they think they're like fairies and. <laughs> They end up tying them up, and they hypnotize the doctor with a gold watch. How, yes. Yes. how did that make it through, like the like the writers? I room? How did don't that, know. I don't that know. Is, 
that is one of the considered one of the worst and it's i it makes a strong argument if you leave out the season three of the original series i think it's probably the worst episode of star trek i've ever seen it's okay that one and i just finished watching that one that one that one's bad it is oh, so fucking bad i uh i'm halfway through the first season of enterprise and I mean, it was never going to be as bad as I made it out as my teenage self after watching the first episode. And I'd say the first episode is probably the weakest so far of all of them. But I actually watched an episode that I, I, I was amazed. It was actually a really good episode of Star Trek. It's called Dear Doctor. And I mean, it's if you're not I, I, I'm not recommending necessarily people do like a, an Enterprise watch through. I'm still going through. But if you haven't seen Enterprise, that is the episode I'd recommend. It's they because they don't have a prime directive, and they go to a planet that's like asking for their help. Like they and they go there, and the people are suffering from a disease. But then there's these other people. Like there's two sentient uh, races that spring up on the planet, and it turns out the disease that's killing one of them. It's just the. It's they're just it's just over time their genetics are slowly killing them it's it's just it's like it's built into their their like dna and it's basically it's usually when you have two species competing one kills the other one uh so they're like well we've never seen one that can cohabitate but we're like the like the servant race seems to be getting smarter it's like the master like like the like the race that kind of like runs everything they're uh their genes are now slowly it's like they're almost it's they're waning and so now that they have a cure like that the doctor finds a cure what is the right thing to do because whatever he chooses he's choosing the the the, the future for these people kind right of a thought thought really thought uh thought uh provoking episode which are those are the episodes i love of Star Trek. right yeah and, i did yeah. not expect to see that yeah in, and that's... in enterprise yeah, and that's Star Trek at its best. It's where it, it gives you pause and you actually think about what's going on. I mean, yeah, the lighthearted ones are, are, are fun. Um, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. The Even some of the better holodeck ones, some of those leave me groaning. But they they had too many of those in Voyager. Like the one where the photonic life forms go to war with, like, Chaotica. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, that one was fucking, yeah. Um, but, I mean, for every one of those that you've got, that you get something like, um, uh, I forget the name of the episode, but it, it was after, uh, well, actually, no, here's two really good ones. There was an episode where, and it was it was cool the way they linked them together, because I remember one of the, one of the quibbles I had before was that, it seemed like Voyager was basically a, a, a random episode that you could watch at any given point in time and you wouldn't have uh, much of the story woven through it, an ongoing story. And after season two, or more like after season three, they really kind of kept the threads of the storyline consistent. So much so that uh, I think we were talking about the um, the episode where the, the Demon Planet crew started like dissolving <laughs> yes well yeah it's it was at the point where Bolana and freaking tom get married and it's tom's still a lieutenant and i'm like what do you mean that's bullshit he got demoted two episodes earlier and that's when i knew something was off yeah i remember as a kid being like wait a minute he's got an extra pip up there but in voyager 
that doesn't really mean anything because Tuvok wore like lieutenant commander's tips for like half the first season before they realized that they had the wrong rank. <laughs> and I think we've talked about this on the air before. The debate over if Jakotay is a commander or a lieutenant commander. I mean, there's like a civil war still debate, like still being fought on the internet about. That. Right. Well, okay, yeah. So there, there was um. I don't know if there's more episodes linked together with this. I mean, I, I've seen like a couple that have uh, the Borg kids because, okay, I know. I hear you. But I, uh, the first episode with it was, was interesting because like a Borg sphere or, or it was a cube got fucking, you know, something weird happened to all the drones and everything. And all that were left were these und- underdeveloped fucking prepubescent ones. And, you know, they kind of had a, break it to them that the collective didn't want them, you know, even though these kids were acting impetuous as fuck and disrespectful, but they were still bored. So whatever. But a follow up from that one that was interesting was the oldest one of the kids. They found his parents and uh, they brought him home. They reassimilated him into his parents' culture. And, you know, the planet the kid's from isn't like a really technologically sophisticated planet. It's mainly agrarian. And he had some real strong hesitations about going back because he was into uh, uh, astrography and, you know, the the more astronomical-related sciences. But, you know, his parents win him over. He comes back home. Seven discovers something weird about, you know, the dad's story about how the kid got assimilated and she follows up with it and bring you know convinces the captain to turn Voyager around. And it turns out that this kid had been genetically bred to be a pathogen for a virus that would kill the Borg, which is why all the Borg on his original cube after he got assimilated were dead. And, you know, he was bred for that purpose. And, and that was you know they rescue him and everything, and they show him at the end kind of coming to terms with that. And that was an interesting little story right there for me. The uh, the last Voyager book that came out that it retouches on that story because the the character Echeb Echeb that's uh, it when they go back to Earth even because I think there's episodes even before that where he's like since they can talk Voyager can talk to Starfleet he's doing like uh, academy courses through like long range learning but when they get back to Earth he ends up going to the academy and in the because in the books. Voyager's back in the Delta Quadrant. There's like a slit, uh, quantum slitstream uh, enabled fleet, and they're going back to kind of... It was originally to make sure that the Borg were completely defeated after like this whole series of stuff, but it was also just to kind of tie up some of the loose ends of the series. And he's uh, one of the... In the last book, he meets like another engineer because he's like on the engineering team, and he gets into a relationship with... And it turns out, like, he he doesn't get, like, sexually excited or really have, like, those, like, he's not wired to have, like, the physiological responses to to having intimate relationships. And when they go, like, the doctor goes over him, it turns out that, like, his, his brain has been rewired in a way to not have certain, like, emotional responses. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the genetic engineering his parents did. Because they thought it would make him less scared and kind of less, if, if I'm remembering this correctly, it was almost a small mercy that they had tried to give him, even though what they were doing was monstrous. Interesting. Yeah, I would recommend the 
I, I love all the Star Trek books when we were in California. Uh, one auto-downloaded as soon as it came out on my phone, and I remember my wife made fun of me uh, <laughs> for that. It was a Prometheus book, which uh, we were just talking about the episode message, message in a Bottle. That's the first and only... No, not the only time, but that was the first time we've seen the Prometheus class, Yep. which uh, I have gotten into some fights about <laughs> recently. I... I thought it was the dumbest thing when I was a kid, and then it was as I've gotten older and thought more about how like star starship battles work. The Prometheus is a super cool idea. I agree, it's a little overly complicated, but the one thing I think like Star Trek Online does successfully is combat, ship combat in a lot of ways. It's the and that's and I think it really showcases how a ship like the Prometheus would be super beneficial. If you have two capital ships going at each other, the number one thing you're trying to do is knock out somebody's specific shield. You don't want to be shooting at every place at once. You want to focus your your energy. Well, you're the enemy's doing the same thing to you, so you're trying to keep, say, like a vulnerable part of your ship. Because say if I'm trying to disable your ship, I may be trying to hit engineering or like a, a power system to your shields. So you're trying to keep that point that I keep targeting away from me while you're trying to do the same thing. The Prome where you can move in three dimensions in space, the Prometheus can move, can now turn into three ships that can converge on you from different vectors. So wherever you turn, you're going to have at least two ships targeting that, uh, uh, one, most likely two ships still hitting that same weak area. It's an ingenious concept. Oh, yeah. I, I agree there. I mean, it was definitely uh, when I when I saw that episode, I, I realized that, it, yeah, it was great to have so many different angles of attack, you know, uh, on on a single chassis that was like coordinated with, with each, you know, that was auto coordinating with each other. You know, that was a, a cool concept. Yeah. And I mean, I understand because my I thought it was stupid and unrealistic as a kid. And I mean, I could understand where you could make the argument why not just have three different ships. But I mean, say because the ship is not it's not a normal ship of the line. It's like the Defiance. It's ship. It's a combat ship. Yeah. You know, it's it's meant for convoy duty or es you know like escort duty or for combat. It can do other things. It has more wide ranging. It's not just just for combat like the Defiant, but that's part of its main mission profile. So, I mean, if you're doing like a convoy escort and, you know, multiple ships come up, it's good now that you can have one ship, stay, say, stay behind and then two ships kind of converge on. You know, it's just there's a, so many different things you can do with that. It's a, it's a smart idea. And I want to throw kind of a shout out. There's a I, I can't believe I just found this, but there's a video and they do a podcast. That are, it's called Trek Yards. And, like, I just watched, they did three episodes on the Prometheus, and they had, like, Rick Sternbeck, like, the guy who designed the ship on to answer questions. So if you're an obsessive Star Trek nerd like I am and need to know everything, like, I was watching one, where I, I listen to them when I'm at work, and they had one on Starfleet fighters that I started uh, to get into. But, yeah, any ship you can think of, there's probably one or two or more episodes on there that just talk about it. Nice. So. Star Tre or Trek Yards. Trek Yards. Okay, cool. We're definitely running a little bit long on time. I just, uh, like I said, I picked up so many books from the last Comic-Con. I said I was going to talk about some each episode, uh, which I will do now briefly. Um, 
the longest I've talked to an independent creator that hasn't appeared on the show was Rob Shelby, who wrote Pure Human. I have the first two issues of that, and these are all about alien abduction from the abductor's point of view. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's got the gray air aliens, but they have like a pure human that works with them. And he's a guy who's spoken to abductees. And that's something that as a kid and young adult, I mean, I even still on my bookshelf, I have a ton of bo- like paranormal books and most of them are on aliens and UFOs. I was really into it as I've gotten further in the psychology field, my my perspective on this has changed a little bit, but I still love the stories and that I think it's something that there's so much research that should get done, not by, say, like these unprofessional people, but people who have a background in, say, actually looking at a psychological phenomenon. You know, a lot of this is just sleep paralysis, let's be honest. But I think there's some other mechanisms there that I'm not saying it's aliens, but I think that there's it's. I, you have multiple people report the same thing, so I think there might be some group psychosis, or there might be a phenomenon, a psychological phenomenon that we haven't necessarily, like it's a disorder or a phenomenon that we haven't put a name on. But it's definitely something where I think where all these mainstream people won't touch it. Just because I don't think that we've answered all the questions, again, I'm not saying that it's aliens from space. I think we can have some uh, parsimony on this, but... And that's always the thing, like, one, when re- people say they've researched this for 30 years, why haven't you put in three cameras on, like, you know, a sleeping person and then looked at the footage every day? <laughs> nobody's, nobody's done that. Right. Or nobody's published who's done that. But anyway, pure human, I talked to the guy forever at the con. We had a really good conversation. The book is real interesting. It's taken a weird turn, and I don't want to give too many spoilers, where the human who's been helping the abductors, he's stuck on Earth. And uh, we'll have to see how he gets back to the aliens. The other book I read is called The, Curi- uh, the Courier by Zenoscope. Okay. Uh, I've been reading more and more Zenoscope as I've gotten older. Uh, you know, they have all the cheesecakey titles, but if you're into horror or fairy tales or action, whatever you're into, they have a book for you. This is a post-apocalyptic book, or uh, it takes place in a post-apocalyptic U- uh, United States. There's a woman who has, she's like the best courier. She goes through like the, the Mad Max X Badlands to deliver things. And it's about her journey through the Badlands to deliver uh, some medicine. It's really good. There's mutants, there's biker gangs. Uh, it's enjoyable. I would, uh, I would definitely recommend that one. And, uh, oh, Pure Human, sorry. Pure Human is written by Rob Shelby, illustrated by Mindy McBeak, and I uh, met both of them. Both seem super cool, willing to talk to me for 30 minutes. And The Courier, Zenoscope, uh, is by, oops, right here, writer is Ralph uh, Tedesco. Artwork, J.P. Miranda. Colors, Brian Valendez, and letters, Kirk Hathaway. So uh, if you're a Xenoscope fan, if you're a Mad Max fan, this one might be for you. You like aliens, pure human might be what you're looking for. Awesome. This is going to be a nightmare and a half. I can't wait for this episode to break seven times. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Oh, Let's crack this motherfucker open. Okay. Yeah, energy drink time. 
This is Amazing Adventures featuring Kill Raven, Warrior of the Worlds. This is the September 1975 issue uh, with a cover price of 25 cents. This is Monsters of the Mind Machine. I, uh, I'm a pretty big fan of this cover. I love this cover. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we've got a cool humanoid-looking dragon. Uh, telling Kill Raven, welcome to your dreams, Kill Raven. Welcome to your death. Mm-hmm. This is like a very like I I hate to say it, but a Disney esque looking cover. The the dragon. Yeah, the dragon definitely strikes some like feelings of like the Maleficent dragon. Yeah, the the horns especially. There's other parts of it that almost look alien, and. Just the cover is super, it's dramatic, but it's super weird, too, because it's like, Kill Raven, it looks like he's standing on a ringed planet, and, I mean, he's standing on it as in, I mean, it's not even as tall as he is. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's very small, and he's standing on top of it, and the dragon, for some reason, it shoots flames out of its nose and not out of its mouth, <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. melting the ring of the planet, and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's real weird, but it's super dramatic and super cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's definitely. It kind of reminds me of an acid trip. That's exactly <laughs> what this and other parts of this issue are remind you of, and I think are meant to remind you of somewhat. But yeah, this one it's. If I had it, the, I had seen this issue a few times before we'd read this issue. Before we read, like when I was looking through the series, and this was when I couldn't wait to get to because I I wanted to know the story of this fucking cover. I wanted to know who the fuck this dragon was. His name was Puff, and he was a magic dragon. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if that is better or worse than what we actually found out. Find out. (laughs) I know. I know. There are so many mysteries Uh. in this issue. That I, I I could not wait. I'm like, I can't wait to fucking talk to Cruz about to see what his perspective was. Ugh. Because there's a, especially with uh, just the Hawk thing. I cannot wait to talk about the shit with Hawk. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Oh, fuck. For a second, I almost forgot about that shit. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah we, we put off recording for a week, so a lot of this isn't as fresh as we normally, as it normally is. But I think that sometimes it's good to put because I was gonna reread it, but I was like, no, I want to come back. And sometimes it's better because you come at things with a different perspective. Yeah. I didn't much care for this issue, so I'm hoping that by talking about it, maybe that will change my perspective. Yeah, you know, I I didn't much care for this issue either. I I did find parts of this charming. Like I I loved every bit of old skull stuff. <laughs> I loved it so much. I really, really, it makes it makes me really like Old Skull that much more. I I found I'm not disagreeing with that, but actually the Old Skull stuff makes me really sad. And yeah. we'll get to the. I, okay, do you, do you see it too? Because a lot of it has to do, I think, with his self image, and that's real sad. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. This fucking front first page. I cannot tell you how much this pissed me off. And we'll, we'll, we'll all explain why. But anyway, we open up this first page, and Don McGregor's the writer, Craig Russell's the artist, Dan Green is the inker, Dave Hunt's the letter, and Petra G. Colorist, with Len Wein is our uh, editor, 
on this uh, great uh, comic book adventure. And this issue, it's the only the computer shows me any respect. Right. Uh, okay. Well, you know, first off, this is Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. Now, I might not be like, okay, I actually, I, for, for someone, I, I, I am fairly, I think, good with geography and, and at least with Kill Raven's not. And at least American <laughs> geography. But what the fuck is Killraven doing? What weren't they not in like Indiana not too long ago? And aren't they trying to find Yellowstone? Yeah, they were in Chicago, which you know that's directly under Michigan, and now they're heading east. Does the fu- the fucking sun not work? Do can I not tell like the fucking sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and fucking Yellowstone's in the fucking west somewhere? I think what would be fun is if maybe we go back through the last several issues, because we've gotten, like you said, this one opens up, it's Nashville, Tennessee, June of 2019, and maybe we could put this on Instagram, like, we could get, like, a map of the United States, and then put Kill Raven's, uh, Oh my god, uh, that's fucking brilliant. Okay, done, done. You know who didn't have that idea? Was Kill Raven, because he's absolutely going in the wrong fucking direction. Oh, that's done. That is done. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to get Mrs. Cruz to fucking Photoshop it in a fucking proper manner. So, what is Killraven riding on this first page? Oh, it looks like a fucking lizard horse. Yeah, he is, uh, he's on his stallion again. He's riding his serpent stallion. Didn't they get rid of that thing? But we, I think last issue, we saw that it was briefly there in a panel, but we were confused that there's no possible way it ran off. And talking about things that are inconsistent between these issues, in the background, as we see uh, Killraven in the foreground on his serpent stallion, we see two sky cycles in the background, and it looks like Mashula and Camilla is on the purple one, and then I'm assuming that's Hawk and uh, Old Skull on the green one. One, that looks ridiculous. It looks like each of them is, like, holding a handlebar or something to steer it. Yeah. But who do you not see with our gang of heroes? Huh. Hmm. Ah, uh, I don't know. Maybe that Grok guy? Yes! Grok is not here, and he doesn't even get referenced for several days. So I don't even know where the fuck he could be. And I talked about this a little bit later in the issue, and I think I've mentioned this before. Like in Transformers, when Optimus Prime would go from truck form to robot form, where would his fucking trailer go? And the explanation that they used to explain that away was that it would go into like hyperspace, and then as soon as he transformed again, it would just pop out of like sub. Or I can't remember if they no, they said subspace. It would just go into subspace. Do they have like a little pocket of subspace that they put Grok or the horse in when it's inconvenient to have? Yes, it makes him so much more easier to travel with him. Oh, just, I mean, at one it's point, convenient. I even, the scene that we see with Camilla later, and put a pin in this, did you think that maybe they were showing us that? Because I, cause I thought for half a second, I'm like, did he just die between issues? Because And that's why they're showing us the scene, and that's why he's not here? Right, Because he yeah. doesn't even get referenced <clears throat> for pages. Yeah. It's, 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 it's. It, it, I think they're being a bit uh, bigoted towards Grok and Grok-like people. <laughs> yeah, but it's... Ay, ay, ay. 
there's so much to like not like uh, there's so much to not like about this one and there's there's a couple of interesting things but let's let's just tackle it one at a time and work our way through it there was a uh, a little bit of exposition on uh, this front page and i normally don't go too much into that with our uh our briefings but some of this is it pays off so i'm just going to uh just summarize this real quick they talk about no, I'm just going to read it, uh, the second paragraph, or just the whole thing. Depressed, seeking a way out, take your pick. The 1990s had many diversions for your entertainment pleasure beyond the natural amusements you get free at birth, and even those they could heighten. Don't believe it? Try the Mirophonic system, uh, a li- uh, live your own adventure, where you are the hero or heroine, or step into the octo, uh, octotympanium vera viewscope. It added an extra dimension to life, but what the ad hypes failed to tell you was that it also did the same thing for death. Bum, bum, bum. And this is going to be very relevant. Yeah, it, it definitely is. So we see our heroes. They're approaching a, uh, it looks like a very modern building in its design, but it's definitely, it's seen better days. It's got broken windows. It's definitely been hit by some destruction. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little worse for the wear. I also wanted to make a note of, in the upper left corner, we get that this is the prelude to the issue, and this is going to, they, they carry this theme throughout it where we get different segments of the story labeled like that. Okay. All right. So they uh, are, are erstwhile heroes, you know, find this building, and uh, they go in to explore it. And uh, Mashula and KR take point to check this fucking place out. Yeah, there's uh, some good dialogue between the two of them. And I think this is honestly my favorite interaction between Mashula and Killraven so far. Yeah. Killraven does his thing where every time they see something of the, the past world, he laments this is another thing that the Martians took for this. And he just, he, I wonder what this building was and how he... You can definitely tell he does a lot of romancing the past. And uh, Mashula, and he asks Mashula if he wonders about the days before the Martians. And Mashula uh, reminds Killraven that he remembers those days, and some of the memories he has of the pre-Martian world aren't too pleasant. Right. And he, uh, he remembers seeing his father uh, after the Martians first attacked. And um, it, in that first attack, most of the father's family was killed, and this left it, and he remember it left him just, just, just remem- remembering the haunted look on his father's face uh, when that news came in. Which this kind of, uh, in my mind, contradicts Mashula's file card from uh, from la- uh, two issues ago. Because my I thought that Mashula's father had left in 1999, and I don't believe it said anything of him returning to the family. Right, I think so. so yeah. So yeah, that he so that indicated his father left before the Martian invasion. Yep, that is not the only thing that I think kind of contradicts some possibly some things from our previous issue, but we'll get to that, valiant listeners. Awesome. So yeah, cut over to uh, Camilla on the uh, all right the bottom left panel. You got Camilla and the freaking sta- uh, serpent stallion. And I, I gotta say, you know. Earlier on, we, we made fun of how Camilla was drawn. And, yeah, uh, this, we sure did. This, I, this is a return to the most dead-eyed Barbie doll-looking drawing of Camilla I have seen in a while. 
the faces on this page, I think, all look a little weird. There's the upper right corner <clears throat> where that does not look like Kill Raven in my mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just tur- I'm sorry. I turned the page and there's just there's some shit on here that I'm just I'm sorry. It 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 made me laugh every time I've gone through. Oh well, let's do it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the Octopanic Timpanium or whatever the fuck this place is. Yeah, there's a nice uh, advertisement for it in the background. Um, <laughs> Skull informs Kill Raven that him and Hawk have scouted around and they didn't see anybody. <laughs> and I think you're laughing because of the scene here with Hawk. Yeah. Um, Hawk is angry uh. because of the building exterior. It's very garnishly decorated with advertisements. Mm-hmm. And there's an arrow like pointing at the door. So he's angry. He's like, this is going to point out exact, uh, exactly where we are to the Martians. <laughs> what the fucking sense does that make? You're just being an asshole to be an asshole at this point. Because there's a 50 or like a 20-year-old building with an arrow that magically means that the Martians are going to interpret that to mean like kill Raven this way. That's a bit ridiculous, man. You, just, <laughs> you need to like ease it back a little bit. Yeah, and he's, he's pretty confrontational. Yeah, he's definitely a dick in this issue, and we we get a lot more of Hawk backstory, and it is, whatever you're picturing it is, just ratchet up the ridiculous <laughs> factor by five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it's like a bad episode of Black Mirror. Yes, it was one that didn't make it off the, uh, out of the writer's room, kind of like that episode of Voyager never did. <laughs> Oh, right. So, yeah, so KR and freaking company uh, break down the door. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is perhaps, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff in this issue, and this is a contender for uh, just something that, I, I guess I wouldn't say ridiculous, but unintentionally funny. There's, they, somebody just put a piece of plywood up over the entrance. Like, you, we've all seen that on abandoned buildings. Mm-hmm. So, the free men who have laser blasters and swords and whatever have you see this pit of plywood and they're like guess there's no way in which kill raven pushes on it and then he totally kool-aid mans through it (laughs) and just how proud of himself he is that he was able to push through like a rotten piece of plywood yeah yeah well I, i mean what does he find back in there you know adventure exactly Adventure in the form of the fucking uh, oh jeez the uh, ah where is it where's the stupid ad it is the, the octotympanum view scope indeed it is I mean, you know with a name like that that just rolls off the tongue I am surprised more people didn't have an octotympanic view scope because I can say octotympanic view scope now without having to look at the fucking page. Because I'm committing the fucking fabulous phrase of octotympanic viewscope to memory by repeating it incessantly. So, what do you think about this octotympanic viewscope? I'm glad you asked, because look, I hate to be an old curmudgeon, but when I was a kid, all we had was a a muralphonic system, and I didn't hear anyone complaining. But these kids today, with their octotympanium viewscope, you know, it's just... They don't realize how spoiled and entitled they are. 
Ah, uh, perhaps if kids they had a sit in the least freaking interesting part of the bridge, where even having something as, oh, I don't know, backwater, you could say, as an octo-tympanic freaking view screen sonic shower fucking... Yeah, I got it right. Octo-tympanum view scope. I love that you just referenced the sonic shower. I know. <laughs> From Star Trek to Exactly. I had so, to. I had to. So, looking at this next page, what the uh, the view scope here does, or the viewer does, it's, it creates exposition and creates acid uh, flashbacks. Because that's exactly what this page looks like. Aw. Cool. So, yeah, it is totally crazy looking. Yeah, this is... And I cannot believe how much... Uh, just just how many captions are on this page. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this page and the next page are chock full of exposition. Yeah, I... I... I definitely tried to whittle it down as much as I could. We learned from the tons of captions. They uh, they inform us that this building is the Octo Tympanium Viewscope, which was invented in 1998. Damn millennials! Uh, and it was the newest dimension in music. Right, and apparently it makes you go batshit crazy. Even with all the exposition here. I mean, I have a vague idea of how this thing works, but I mean, they they left it, I think, a little bit uh, a little bit vague. Yeah. Um, what I got from this is that it starts to play music, and then the music feeds like a like like a holodeck system, like almost like Star Trek. Like it creates the the, the music creates images and sensory data for people to experience. That seems like reasonable. Yeah. And so when we get started here, it again it says it, it, it's a musical fantasy land that makes music real. I think that's kind of a weird description based off of what it does, but I guess we'll, that's what we'll... Because again, it's not like that it makes music real. It's almost like the music makes, like almost like a holodeck, like you're interacting with physical uh, with things that you can see and touch and experience. Right. But they enter this chamber and it, it disappears. And... I mean, we don't get a clear description of what Killraven hears, like what his music is, but it says like his vision is everything and nothing, and it stretches to infinity. It almost looks like he's like the Star Child from two thousand one. Yeah, he's just having like a crazy acid flashback. It, it looks like an acid flashback to me. The next page, which we get, I mean, there's literally like five hundred words. I've never seen a comic book that had so much dialogue. But it's like literally, he's like swimming through these different like techno landscapes, and it's it's pretty trippy. Yeah, I think that's a word that could describe this entire issue for the most part. Yes, and it's just he's going through these, he's just swimming through these trippy landscapes, and uh, this takes us to one of the most ridiculous things that we've seen in Kill Raven, because in it. This is weird because it seems like Killraven, the whole premise here is now that Killraven is starting to enter the musical fantasies of the other members of the group, but it seems like he's the one with that ability. We see Mashula do it with him, but it seems like he's the catalyst for it. And the mechanism for this is not very much, it's not, it's not made clear. Right. So, uh, he's, he's kind of swimming through all this psychedelic stuff. And then he comes across Old Skull, who's with all these cartoon animals. <laughs> old Skull. I, I, okay. Old Skull. 
is basically doing the Disney princess act. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And just, oh, just, uh, I just wanted a brief description of, uh, so the first stanza that Kill Raven was listening to is over, and then he's, it's like he hears the old, what Old Skull hears, which is a lullaby, and then that's when he sees the Old Skull with the Disney princess, like, like, the animals surrounding him and landing on him. Whatnot. Yeah, all, all, all I want to see him do is, like, hit a really high-pitched note and watch a bird's head explode. Um, this gets pretty surreal pretty quick, because not only is he surrounded by these, like, talking, singing animals, but then there's these singing, dancing stalks of celery that are, uh, singing to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything's, like, super nice and cheerful. And it, they're all, like, chill with it. And, like, the squirrel's on top of his head giving him a fucking bald head massage. I mean, the, the he's such a nice a guy. Dick, though. Well, yeah. The, squir- the squirrel starts to hit his head and uh, says to him, Don't mind me, old Mr. Old Skull, just checking to see if it's solid. Which is implying that he's, he's checking to see if uh, there's something wrong, if he has a soft head. It's implying that he's stupid. Since this is all coming from Old Skull, at least I assume it is, this is how he sees himself. He, he understands that he's slow, that he's got some deficiencies in some way. And that's sad. That was kind of a bummer. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. But it's so cute! I, I mean, okay, look. Old Skull is like the Lenny of, of all these guys, right? You know, he's the... Oh, that I think they were they've been very intentional in, in, in trying to draw us to that comparison. Right? Yeah, he's he's just always just and I will hug them and love them and squeeze them and kill them and I will name them George and blah 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 blah. I mean, yeah. this is like totally like giving giving him his little old school wish fulfillment. You know, all the animals want to hear him talk. Like the animals respect him except for that fucking squirrel, which makes Kill Raven laugh. Uh, yeah, Killraven brought that squirrel. Fuck that guy. <laughs> hey, the celery likes him. They even want him to eat him. So we, we go from this happy scene, we go to one that's not as happy. We get music that is somber, like a funeral, and uh-huh. we transition to Camilla Frost. And this is a bit trippy, but we see there's a floating coffin, and what's inside? Mmm. <gasps> Grok. A very surprised-looking dead Grok. Yeah. So this is the first time that he's referenced, and it's not even him. It's just it's it's a uh, uh, illusion. It's a, a hologram. Yeah, an illusion. Almost. Yeah. So we we still we'll, we'll have to wait quite some time to get more uh, Grok news. But we see Camilla is definitely very emotional over this vision, and it ends with her just kind of kneeling down and the the darkness just closing in on her. Yep. Which was pretty cool. Pretty interesting. Pretty well really pro- well done. Out of all of them, it's not as fun as Old Skulls, but I think it's the most uh, pointy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and moving on from that, what? okay, I couldn't make heads or tails in the next panel. <laughs> no. I mean, whose fucking eye is this supposed to be anyways? It's on a, it's on a, it's an eye on a stalk surrounded by a bunch of razors. Yeah, like, what the fuck is going on here? Because I am not sure. I, I, I really, I don't know. And I don't like being the one that doesn't know. So, like, what the fuck is going on right here, man? There's several parts in this issue where I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Okay, and, good, good, good. 
Oh no, yeah, I, I I was definitely gonna touch base on on some of these. This was one and uh, old or er, and Hawk with his uh or Hawk's backstory was another one that just it makes no fucking sense. Anyway, we go to this the the razor blade uh, optometrist here leads us to Mashula's. Right. He has a Wagnerian music drama that's con- uh, comprised of violence. Uh, librettos that flow with whirlpools of Martian decay. And what that translates into, it's he's standing in Hawaiian punch and he's beating it with his sword. Right. (laughs) And this is, it's supposed to be an epic battle and we can see like a couple tentacles like grabbing him out of it. But it literally just looks like he's splashing some water with his sword and just having like a great time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she really wants to have some fucking good time with water, you know. Maybe like a ladle... Or a, a a bubble blower wand, you know that might work a little better. You know, than just hacking at water with the sword. I mean, every once in a while you get a fucking you know a tentacle fucking leg, so you have some sushi. But that's about it. What uh, what would you lay the odds are of Don McGregor or anybody on the creative team not having done drugs while creating this? Oh fucking none. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you, uh, in the, I'm trying to think of the book that just came out, like, five years ago about the, like, this, like, hit the history of Marvel. There definitely was a lot of drug use in, like, the Marvel bullpen in the 1970s. <laughs> they admit to it. And this is definitely, I think, a book that, uh, is a consequence of that. Yeah, they totally, uh, I mean, fuck, how many tabs of acid did they drop to fucking come up with some of this shit? Uh, so yeah, so Mishula is like super proud of what he did, you know. I'm very he's victorious. I'm very happy. I managed to stir this Hawaiian punch so that there was no solid par- particles fucking floating in the water. It's completely mixed and integrated. There's no sediment and all. So look at this shit. You may feel free to drink it without worrying about the little scrunchies getting caught in your Martian teeth. What the fuck? It it doesn't make any more sense as we turn the fucking page. And we see Hawk, which, I mean, I couldn't tell if he was wearing shoes or not, and he's wearing what looks like some very tight pants. Um, I, and honestly, I, I thought he forgot his pants. I have no idea, because he's got, like, the ruffles on the side, but other than that, it doesn't look like he's wearing pants. You're absolutely right. And so that's, <laughs> that's hard to understand. But then it says that he's he's standing on a reckoning platform. What the fuck is that? Oh, it's reckoning and, that he might be wearing assless chaps. And what it really looks like is like he's standing on the holodeck floor, and he's in front of a very fake-looking sun with uh, mountains yep. uh, just flying through the sky. Exactly. And he said... But it's supposed to be very dramatic, and it says that it reminds him of something from his past, which we will learn about uh, in a few pages here, and it is just, it's just fucking ridiculous. We're definitely, you know, going with the soap opera-y, like, ooh, what the twist. <laughs> Where, <laughs> so now we see, we see Killraven grab Mashula, and it looks like there's a bunch of bubbles or whatnot in the background right and he's able to now pull mishula into old skulls like disney looney tune uh like hallucination but where kill raven can see what's going on mishula can't see the uh the animals he can only see old skull he can't see the cute little fucking bunnies and squirrels 
which we learn that the squ- the squirrel is named Walter J. Throgmoid. Yeah. And well, then we see a rabbit is pulling on his mustache. Old Skull, not the Skull. Old Skull yeah. doesn't have a mustache. Yeah, Old Skull can fuck off, okay? I have a raccoon for a fucking work pet. <laughs> Screw that squirrel, man. I got a fucking raccoon. His name's Rocket. He's the shit. <laughs> Rocket J. Throgmoid? <laughs> I really like this squirrel though. I like Walter because he tells uh he tells Old Skull to salt the to sprinkle some salt on the celery stalks because they're good to ch- uh to chomp on, which Old Skull's like, but won't that hurt them? Oh, take my word for it, they love it. No, you're trying to get him just to eat to murder those celery stalks. <laughs> oh man. That is some evil shit. Oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Eat them alive. Just eat them live. It's good. They want it to happen. Yeah, go for it, dude. Come on. They want it. They want it so bad. <laughs> so, at this point, Kill Raven, we get a very... It, it, it's like, they're, like the team's strutting through Reservoir Dogs. We see him. He's in the center, and he's uh, the, the whole team is marching through the psychedelic landscape. I just want to know who comes up missing an ear. Probably Old Skull. Probably. As long as the one that has that do, piercing. Do you? If this was Reservoir Dogs, do you think uh, Camilla is like Harvey Keitel, and she's just like straddling Grock? You're gonna be okay. <laughs> Say it with me. Say it with me, Grock. You're gonna be okay. Exactly. Yes. This thing writes itself. It does. So yeah, they're they're doing their fucking the right stuff, fucking you know intro walk and shit, and, and they get in there. What what do they fucking find? Fucking puff the magic dragon, man. Oh, yeah. it, I, I love that they call what they're strutting across the musical perception mosaic. Fucking see this. Yeah, they're, as they're leaving, Skull Ooh. waves to the talking bunny. I, I assume it was the one who was pulling on his mustache, but when he looks back, he sees the dragon. Oh, boy. The creepy dragon. The, the face that old Skull makes there is quite funny when he sees the dragon. Yeah, it looks like he pooped he his pants. Very... That's exactly what it looks like he did. And the jury's still you out. Know what? Okay, okay, honestly, you know what it looks like? And I only know this because I've actually made that face before. It looks like he trusted a fart and he really should not have. <laughs> I agree. There's That's the shark face. Yeah, that is the shark face. I mean, he's got his hand coming up to his mouth like, oh my god, what the fuck did I just do? Oh shit, I hope KR can't smell it from there. Fuck, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Ooh, maybe I can throw it at the dragon. I don't know. What am I going to do? That's what he looks like. It doesn't get any less weird in these next few panels. Because now they're saying, hey, let's not camp out in the psychedelic room. Why don't we camp out in another room just in case a Martian patrol comes by? Would you really try to sleep in the fucking psychedelic viewscope uh, room? Hell no. No. What kind of fucking and, and madness is, is that? And then shit gets really weird because apparently the the stallion was with them the whole time because it's just in that scene. And Mashula is like, hey, would you make sure that's not clamping, clomping around all night? So Kill Raven's like, hey, uh, why do you ask? Have you not been dot, dot, dot sleeping well these nights? So it sounds like he's implying if him, if Mashula and Camilla have been uh, having sex. Uh, you know, I, I maybe I didn't get that fucking right off of there but yeah i didn't from that until the next panel 
where Camilla rubs his head and says, can I straighten your hair for you? That is totally a euphemism for, for, for sex. I, I thought curl your toes was, but hey. Can I straighten your hair for you? That's totally... She's like, man, we're gonna... The sex is gonna be so good, it's gonna straighten your hair, right? And that's why she's rubbing it, and that's why she says, should I call you Kinky or Mud Brother? <laughs> so I, I guess you could... I mean, I, you could say that innocently, because his hair's kinky, and she's gonna say... No, this is clearly... This was clearly euphemisms for sex. Okay, fair enough. So they're getting it on. Yes, they are, that, that is what they're implying. And then we go to the intermezzo, which in an opera would be an intermission. Oh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this because I needed a bit of a palate cleanser after that weird shit. And this was a nice break from the weird shit of this, uh, this issue. I think they should have had freaking, uh, what's his name, Scar and uh, the Over Underlord, whatever the fuck his name is. They should have. They should have had them freaking do this. This little bit in verse. It'd have been great. No. What do you mean? Like an opera. Oh, in verse. Got you. Yes, that would have been better. I enjoyed this. Anyway, I, I guess we should describe it. It we uh we open up where we see the one golden arch from the previous issue, and we oh I love that we still it's we this is the battle from last issue. And we see Adelon's just dead corpse just lying face down in the mud. Fuck yes. Fuck your clean uniform, bitch. You're dead. Why is Scar's tripod not red? I don't know. Maybe the acid rain washed off the paint job. Good enough for me. Uh, yeah, I was wondering about that and trying to find a plausible explanation. That's the best one I can come up with. Maybe he has a button that changes the color. It's because he just, you know, even though he doesn't have an eye, he just has a gouge. Maybe that's important to him. Maybe, maybe. But, you know, I mean, he shouldn't trap himself away like that, doing all this photoreactive freaking, you know, deliveries and shit. He, he says some things here, which he's technically right, but uh, I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure that there's... I think he's jumping to some, clu- just jumping to some conclusions. He reports that both Adelon and Sacrificer must have been killed by Killraven and the Freemen, and that the free men are most likely destruct or responsible for the destruction of Death Birth Forty Seven. I mean that's all true, but I'm not sure if you could get all that just from one dead body. It is a good hypothesis, but to reporting that to the High Overlord is fact. It's you you jump to several conclusions. Right. Yeah. So I also enjoy that he he that Scar also notices that if Kill Raven is heading for Yellowstone. He is totally, uh, totally off course. <laughs> and, and this is from a guy who, even in the captions here, he's referred to having a gouge cavity uh, for an eye. So even the guy with a gouge cavity noticed that Kill Raven is hundreds of miles off course. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably didn't have much else to worry about. We, uh, we move to the next page, which we get is Fortissimo which I had to look up, it is a passage mark to be performed very loudly. Oh, okay. Because in their mind, this is the climax. Oh, it is not. Um, right, so she had, like, Killraven being like, Oh, Mr. Weird Dream thing, I'm going to bust my head. This whole issue should be, like, like an opera. I, I agree. I think this would be awesome. It's just, uh, it, should, it should be, like... 
the uh, Warner Brothers Looney Tune episode where uh, Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny are doing the a whole fucking like Viking opera throughout the entire episode. It should be like I'm gonna I'm gonna defeat you, Overlord, with your magic helmet. Exactly. You will not defeat me in my magic helmet. Yeah. <laughs> I want the helmet. You will not get the helmet. I want the helmet. <laughs> oh my calling. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> this first panel here, I think, is my favorite panel of the issue. This is just this is another one that made me laugh, but intentionally. It's where Killraven is sitting down and his serpent stallion is nuzzling him. But it's got those giant ass like razor spikes on its back. So he's like, hey man, take it easy. Was, your mane's not made out of feathers. So I just <laughs> I found that kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, and then you, you, next panel is uh, Camilla and a oh, fuck Mashula, kind of kind of yeah. having a an intimate moment n- next to each other. Which it's, it's it's weird because five feet from them is dying slowly Grok. <laughs> is that is that his new name, <laughs> dying slowly Grok? <laughs> and where the fuck did he come from? He's on like a wooden stretcher, and there's no way they were like what they just had that dragging behind one of the fucking sky cycles. It, exactly. I mean, yeah, they like welded two sky cycles together to make something that had a freaking impulse. You know. uh power source or something like that and then and, and then they just freaking drug him along i don't know why i went with impulse but whatever and it's this is just so fucking it's just it's just weird that how he got there and then old skull not old skull hawk is just staring at them just wondering how long he's been dying for yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah I, I, poor grok yeah i know i know yeah. we'll get closure out of the whole grok situation later but i still feel bad yeah. for the hairy bastard yeah, he was pretty awesome. He deserves better than to have Hawk just stare at him and speculate how long it's going to take him to die. And then how many, what parts he's going <laughs> to save as a trophy? Uh, I hope Old Skull, or I hope uh, Hawk wouldn't get those. I don't think he deserves them. I agree. He doesn't need Grok slippers. No, no. Or Grok gloves or a Grok hand warmer. That should go to Camilla. <laughs> so, they, they're, they're all commenting on why Hawk is so negative and dour all the time. So Hawk opens up about his past and what made him such a Debbie Downer. So we go back to uh, 1999 when Hawk's tribe signed a new land treaty or new land treaties. Uh, They were and he says they were just like the old ones. They were meant to be broken. And so we flash to 1995 and we learn that Hawk was 15. So that would make Hawk born in 1980, which makes him significantly older than anybody else on the team. And when in 1995, this was significant because on his tribe's land, a form of energy was found. And they're very vague about it. It just says energy. I don't know. I guess they found some energon cubes. Yeah, there was some energon cubes. Perfectly formed in like little rectangles and stuff. Yeah, this, is they're like, weird. I don't know. I didn't know I owned a tape deck. Why is this purple tape deck in a Walter PPK just sitting here observing us with these energon cubes? <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um... So now all these people want the Hawks land, and he's been fighting to uh, to keep the land from these uh, like greedy developers. And what is Hawks' dad doing during this? Um, he is uh, suffering from the uh, Reginald Barkley uh, termed addiction to holograms. Almost, he's hollow addicted. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, he's obsessed with the 
uh, Murophonic system. Yeah, he's getting way too into that. It's super weird because they're he's like in this like log cabin looking Adobe building, but inside it, he's he's sitting in a chair that ha- and he has like a giant light bulb like connected to a visor like strapped to him. Yeah, like, it looks very. Advanced. It looks like either a giant volleyball or a softball. <laughs> yes. It, it it does it does not look like it's something that comes apart for easy servicing. It looks very Kirby esque. You can definitely tell this was inspired by Jack Kirby. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we go to the next page here, page eleven. Hawk fights with his father about how much he's using the Mirophonic system, and that having one or and that um using this device doesn't make him equal to the people outside the reservation, which his dad's like, if hey, if I'm addicted to it just like everybody else is, doesn't that make me uh, equal to them? And he's like, plus you're forgetting how much I enjoy my my shows. That is the dumbest reasoning I have ever heard. And it's not that I'm summing it up terribly. That was literally his argument. Everything's okay. If other people are obsessed with it, I am obsessed with it. So it makes me their equal. Plus you forget how much I enjoy it. I mean, that is that's, some Trumpy Yeah, logic. that's pretty fucking lame. And we learned... Oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was just reiterating that, that, yeah, I can absolutely confirm that is fucking lame. And it doesn't seem to work. I don't think it would work very well. But go on. So his dad wants uh, Hawk to to joy, enjoy his show with him. And the show that he enjoys is called Hoda. Hoda. Hodia? Hoda. 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 And... Hoda Twist, and basically it looks like a knockoff of Sherlock Holmes. I would say it's Sherlock Holmes meets uh, Dark Shadows. Okay. And I would definitely say in an issue of Low Points, this next page where we flash to the simulation where his dad is Hoda, and he's his uh, sidekick who is named... Duh. Conrad Jevons. I had to... uh, had to turn the page on my notes. So, they flash... Here we go. Okay. So, so Hawk and his father, they project into Hodok Twist, and Hawk is into his Dr. Watson character, Conrad Jevons. They project to unravel this mystery. There's a dead man with his throat ripped out, and Hoda insists that a hellhound didn't do this, but a man did, and he's trying to show all the logical reasons that a human committed this crime, or this murder... But we keep seeing inner, uh, inner space between him logicking it out like Sherlock Holmes. This crazy-looking hell beast is, is approaching him. <laughs> yeah, that is one big freaking furry-fanged menace right there. So, uh, Hawk's dad just keeps talking about, look at this, and look at this. Obviously, like, human hands did this. Old Skull try as, or I'm sorry, I keep doing that. Hawk, as Jevin, tries to warn his father that the beast is going to attack. Uh, he's not quick enough. The T... And the, like you said, this thing is massive. I mean, it is the size of a motorcycle. And it starts mauling this uh, arrogant Sherlock Holmes character. And we learn those were that was the last time he ever spoke to his father. <laughs> and, and his last words being, I tell... Or didn't I tell you this was one hell of a show? So, my first read through i took that to mean that his this killed his father 
And then I realized it did not specifically say that. It just said after his father was... And the, the character he inhabited was murdered and ripped to shreds. That was the last time he ever spoke to his father. Right. So I don't... I don't think that his father... This killed his father. It's just... This was the end of their relationship and they never spoke again. Right. This is this is my question for you. Okay, fire away. Last issue, do you remember uh actually it wasn't last issue, it was several issues back where they were it was right when they were destroying the death birth and they're all Hawk is giving tons of shit to Adam and Eve about how they're gonna slow them down and get them all killed. And he's like, Helping people is what uh you know caused my father to, to like, that's what hurt my father, and I'm not going to let that happen to me. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, what, who, it, it, his father's helping the digital people in his murophonic Exactly, system? without him cheering, a digital murophonic person dies. Yeah. Every time you say, digital murophonics is not real, a digital murophonic person dies of slow, painful death. By hellhound. By, by, yeah, well, see, they're really miniaturized. You know, the, the digital mirophonic people. So the hellhounds, you know, they're only really like the size of a small pug. But, you know, compared to the little mirophonic people, they're really big. So, you know, it scales appropriately, roughly. I, I really like the panel where we see the, as Hawk is telling the story, he's inside the, uh, it, it, you see him inside the hellhound's mouth as he's relating these events. <laughs> So, I don't see why this was such a traumatic story. Your dad watched too much TV, you disagreed with it, and you left, and you... I mean, that's traumatic, turning your back, having to leave, and not having that good relationship with your father. But one, this whole thing about your father having negative consequences for helping people, that seems... Unless there's other shit we don't know about, seems to be bullshit. And two, Mm -hmm. just the look of grief on his face about, yeah, my dad was obsessed with Columbo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if you look over here, (laughs) he just got really invested in those freaking soap operas, okay? Do you know who did not get invested in the story? Was Old Skull. Because while Old... Well, Hawk was... And granted, this was a lame story, and it looks like he's about to cry as he relates this. Old Skull just walked out in the middle of this, like, emotional story and just went back in to play with his cartoon pal. This is true. Old school likes his cartoons. He's a simple fella. It looks like he's on a bouncy ball, or he like he's on a cannonball that was just shot out of a cannon, and he's talking to these anthropomorphic Disney characters. Right. And this is the crescendo. The crescendo. So, as this is going on, there looks like there's a talking snake on his head who sees the dragon sneak up on him, and the snakes get we get a nice yeah from the snake as it's scared. Kill Raven. Goes back into the uh, view scope looking for Old Skull, and uh, hey, I uh, oh, never mind. I was gonna say that uh, they uh, reference the squirrel again by name, Throgmoid. Throgmoid. But these yeah. birds, yeah, the birds uh, and Kill Raven, or the the birds point out to Throgroid that Kill Raven's back, and they're letting him know that he's in trouble, that the dragon <laughs> is gonna kill him. Yeah, I like how they're pulling oh. on his hair. That's that's a good touch. Yeah, yeah. Kill Raven shouldn't have uh, put up with that. No, no, he shouldn't. The, the, it's, it's not dignified. The dragon. Oh, there, there's those freaking uh, those spheres, like from the cover. Yes, and it looks like Kill Raven has to like run across these planets yep. to, which is pretty badass. And the dragon is—it's bigger than a bus, so it's shooting 
flames out of its nose at Old Skull, so Kill Raven's got to run into the rescue camp. Yeah, it looks like Kill Raven's doing a really bad episode of American Gladiators. Yeah, I've watched too much of that. Oh, I love that show. I love the shit out of that show, too. Yeah, so he, uh, well, you know, he's got a dragon to slay. What, what, what more? Yeah. Uh, what, what more are we going to say here? I mean, you know, he's got a dragon to slay. It's threatening Old Skull. You know, Killer is like, don't worry, Old Skull. I'm coming. And, uh, you know, with that, you know, that same kind of vocal tone and everything, jumps up and he's he leaps from planet to planet onto the back of the fucking dragon's back and proceeds. Don't. Oh, go ahead. I'm go, 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 go. I was going to say, as he jumps on this thing's back, there's no way how he's landing on that, like, from this panel, that that just didn't destroy his balls. Uh, you know, there's there's no way he could have done it with his testicles intact. Yeah, that, that there's, there was, uh, he totally sat on his balls as he landed on this dragon's back. And that's probably why you don't um, see him too much later. He uh, he stabs the dragon. I mean, right in like the brain pan. I mean, he gets it like right between like the like the its eyes on the top of its head. But the dragon's not real. It doesn't have a brain, so oh. this doesn't slow it down. Well, that sucks. Yeah, it, it throws does him suck. down. It throws down freaking Kr, and uh, it looks like him and uh, him and uh, Mashula are on the ground. It could be. It could be Hawk. I can't tell by the silhouette. I think it's supposed to be Hawk. Because we don't see his man bun. True. Plus, yeah, Meshula's not in there because Meshula's got to save the day. That's because Meshula's a motherfucking man. Yeah, the, they're, they look like they're in some trouble because the uh, the dragon, it's unstoppable. And then it just fades away and we just see... Like when you end a holodeck program, it just vanishes and Kill Raven's sword hits the ground. Yep. And that's it. They're they're done. It's like, hey, let's have a moment of introspection. And you're like, oh yeah, fuck, we don't need to read that. Well, they're a bit confused at first of like where the dragon went. And it was Mashula. He found the off button. It was a little uh, computer and program, <laughs> and just shut it off. Right. Yeah, and like you said, this is this was all building to a moment of introspection. And what was the lesson that we're supposed to take from this cruise? Yeah, one doesn't want to be put in a situation where you could lose just by pressing one wrong button. What I got from this, because it ends with the old skull, sort of wish it could have lasted longer, as long as it's just for a while, old friend, and doesn't take over your whole life. And then we see written on the ground for some reason, and that's the reality of it. What I got from this was this was a cautionary tale of uh, watching too, don't watch too much TV. Because that was, I think, kind of the parallel, like old or Hawk's dad got too sucked into the shows and it destroyed his relationship with his son and old skull had snuck back in uh by himself uh to to get go back in this world and calamity happened to him i think this was one giant be careful not to watch too much tv because apparently because i mean what a charmed life you lived as a white comic book writer in the 70s where that's what you're worried about <laughs> as that little bit of competition I mean, look at the shit. I mean, look at look at the shit that uh, people are living through in the United States today. And this was the big moral he had in his fucking issue: is the yeah, come on, kids, don't get too caught up in your TV. Yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of that, that whole like living conditions in the United States today, I saw a thing on uh, 
online that was uh, it basically summarized what you need to know about American healthcare. And and it was there is a show about two guys, one of which is an educator who turned to making and selling methamphetamine in order to pay for their medical bills. That's the state of American healthcare. It's a it's kind of a sad uh sad commentary. It is. It is. Um, next issue showdown in the twenty fifth century, <laughs> which that is not what the that's not what the next issue is called. So let's not hold our breath. Oh, uh, why why are you being such a cocktease about it, man? It sounds so interesting. <laughs> showdown oh. in the twenty fifth century. You know what's coming up? What's coming up? Uh, it's I don't believe it's next issue, but uh. I think we, yeah, we're still a few issues away, but uh, in a few issues, we're going to have the Kill Raven Spider-Man team-up. <laughs> cool. Okay, that one I cannot wait for. That is great. Yeah. And uh, even after we finish Kill Raven, we can always go back, because there was still a couple more series. There's still more Kill Raven appearances. So down the road, if we want to revisit the character, it's not the... I don't think... I think this is the end of this version of Kill Raven, the other series is. We get to see several different realities versions of him. I'm not sure if we actually see this reality's Kill Raven again. I'll have to double check that. Uh, if anybody knows that off the top of their head, Comic Book Dungeon Podcast at gmail.com. What did you think of this issue? Hmm. <sighs> yeah, the old school bits were entertaining. The, the, the story about Hawk's dad was kind of a what the fuck. And, <laughs> yes, it and was. Freaking, the dragon was. The dragon was cool. The bits with, uh, not Hogstad, the, uh, the consultant. No, not the consultant. The, the bits with the, uh, fuck. Oh, I just brain farted. But, yeah. Hogstad, Hogstad, what the fuck. Uh, Old Skulls Birds, cool. Kill Ravens was kind of ho-hum. And, uh, Carmilla's stuff. With Grok was kind of a, like, well, where the fuck has he been this whole time? But okay, at least you remembered him a little bit. That's about, that's about where I'm at with that. And it wasn't, I don't know, I didn't really like it too much, man. Some of the art was really on point, and that's about the best I can say. It, I think it was absolutely ridiculous. It was entertaining. I mean, I it was so trippy. I'm glad I had I read it because it made me laugh, but. I mean, it was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. It was definitely a very ridiculous one. But, I, I, you know, in any series that's, that's ran for more than a year or two, they, they do some ridiculous shit. This is true. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take some of that ridiculous shit every once in a while. Um, I, again, I think we got some really great stuff in the future. I am so excited uh, I love Kill Raven, but I'm really excited to get to the Marvel Godzilla and Marvel Star Trek run. Mm. Um, I actually have a couple paper issues from that Marvel uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture run, so I might actually pull a, a, an issue or two out of my long box. Okay, cool. Again, if we, uh, if you guys want to talk about Kill Raven or Mural Phonic Systems or how we were way off base on this episode... Or if you want to share with us some comic-related stories, or if you're a comic creator and you're trying to get the word out, we'd love to talk to indie creators. Or if you just have great or funny comic book stories you want to share with us, 
write in comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at comicbookdungeonpodcast.com. It's a great way to find us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have an Instagram yeah. that has some very sort of variation on yeah. that name. As it's yeah, titled. it's a Comic Book Dungeon Podcast uh, on Instagram. You can find us just by typing into the search bar, Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. I think we're the second entry that pops up. Awesome. Yes, and I, I got to remember that freaking the map. I, I'm going to start working on that because I think that has potential. And by the time you guys have heard this episode, the episode 14 should have been up for a month. But I appreciate everybody's patience, especially as you've heard how much shit episode 14 in Audacity has put me through. Because I'm going to spend the rest of the weekend working hard to try to get this up by Monday. And if I did, if you're... Future me has done that and past you enjoyed it. Just, just get, feel free to email to commemorate or to, to just do in solidarity. Why don't you write in and tell us about a same sort of situation that you've had where you've had to do the same work over and over again? Or again, tell us great stories of comic books, fandom. We've asked a lot of listener questions that you can still weigh in on. Your favorite Star Trek, your favorite Captain comic books you're embarrassed about yep and you can you can definitely you, message us about star trek oh i i i would say i love star trek even more than i love comics i would love to talk about star trek yep so come on drop us a, you know chime in drop us a line we'd love some feedback we respond promptly yeah absolutely we will respond promptly uh if you leave us a review on itunes uh, that will be helpful because I'm not sure if by this time we might have some negative reviews after our uh, Alex Jones impressions. Mm. <laughs> oh, we'll have to, it'll be fun to see how that goes. Uh, I don't know if my throat and, can handle it. And by a ne- and hopefully next issue we should or next episode we'll have some guests, and I think we're going to do a comic book roundtable yep. like we didn't have time for last episode. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be interesting. All right, cool. Crisis actors. <laughs> I'm gonna follow Bernie Sanders through the airport and ask him about socialism. <laughs> Infowars.com backslash lizard people backslash Benghazi. <laughs> it's in the emails. Yeah, we were. That was something we were talking about uh, with Star Trek. Do you think Star Trek has a has an Alex Jones like in the Federation news service? Um. I'm sure they have someone that 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 freaking sees conspiracies and everything. I don't think they would have someone at the level of an Alex Jones that will, you know, allegedly, deliberately falsify information in order to damage an opponent, you know, because they're trying to save themselves. Kirk wasn't sucked into the nexus. He faked his death to become a part of the space Illuminati. There was no Dominion War. It was all just. It was all uh, used to drive up the price of the lithium crystals. They were all crisis actors. The shape or the changelings were all crisis actors. <laughs> Wondering what, what other stuff would fit in with the Alex Jones. Uh, what about that freaking uh, college chick that graduated with a freaking and took all her graduation photos with her gun at her college campus and is running around calling one of the Parkland survivors twig arms and asking him to wrestle her over the Second Amendment. Arm wrestle her because, you know, I'm sure he, he'd like to wrestle her over anything because she's 
nice looking gal, but you know, she she wanted to wrestle. Because yes, that's that's how we that's how we prove things. America. Yep, that's that's how it was decided. So, Our founding fathers, you know, they 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 put they set their quills aside, and they each stood at the table and they uh, <coughs> they arm wrestled to to get their points included in the Constitution. That would be great if that is how we settle things, because I don't think small hand Trump would do very well. Ouch. He just wouldn't have a lot of leverage. I guess I'll have to bring small hand Trump back over here to show you. Um, we had a we got a Trump dog toy for my dog, and man, that thing did not last a week. Oh God, I gotta get that fucking dog toy. I it won't last a week because Shadow is just a, a super aggressive chewer, but uh, I, I'd like to see what she can do with it. We have a couple Star Trek ones too. We have a red shirt and a Cleon, and the red she ripped the red shirt's uh, leg off today. Hmm. All right. He was just trying to get home to his wife and kids. That's all. Oh, yeah, I think that's it for us. All right, that's a wrap. We've plugged our plugs. Uh, Yeah. You know, keep turning them pages. Yeah, good advice. I also want to remind you, and this is good advice for everyone, if the talking squirrel tells you it's okay (laughs) to eat the celery... Ignore him. I think he has an ulterior agenda. I think he's got a he's got a, he's got a darker motive. <laughs> Just good safety tip, everyone. Oh man! All right. The cows are not what they seem. Good night, good everybody. Night. Oh man, that's a that is
Mr. Weird Dream thing, I'm going to bust my head. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And 